You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You better hold on to that sword. You better cleave to that sword until God brings the great victory. Amen. Somebody needs to hold on to the sword of God's word. The devil's been telling you that you might as well just slip back into the shadows and let somebody else step up to the front lines. But God's calling somebody to step up to the front lines and to do work for Jesus. Amen. When we're doubting ourselves, it can be hard to be confident in who we are. In today's message, Pastor Gary says that we should hold tight to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Bible. God gave us the Bible so that we can fight off any lie Satan throws our way. Next time you are in a battle, use the Bible as your weapon. The truths in Scripture will allow you to be confident in who you are in Christ over who the world says you are. Nothing fights the lies the enemy says better than the Word of God. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 23 as he begins his message, Where Are God's Mighty Men? Second Samuel 23 verse 13. And three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time unto the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. I apologize if I'm not pronouncing these words correctly. Some of you are like, sounds good to me. Amen. <laughs> Verse 14, David was then in an hold... The garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. Notice your Bible. Now it says, These things did these three mighty men. God's help, I feel instructed to preach to you a subject entitled, Where Are God's Mighty Men? David here, having not only known, but experiencing the costs of war, is now in a hold, the Bible says. That means the enemy has him cornered, has him camping out in a cave, strategizing and praying and praising and believing God for the next move to victory. Providentially, because God's anointing was already on King David, uh, that David was surrounded by mighty men that God installed into his ministry 
to enable him to do things that he would not be able to do by himself. And so David was there, and in fact, my first point about mighty men of God is that mighty men are men who serve with loyalty to the king at any risk. They serve with loyalty. You saw in our opening portion of Scripture here that David was thirsty, and I read it as if it was just a passing thought. I don't take it that David actually instructed his men to go through the risks that they went through to get him this drink of water from the well of Bethlehem. But he just got to talking about it. I said, boy, it sure would be good right now if I could just get a cool drink from that well down there. Because he missed the well in Bethlehem. The enemy had set up camp in the city of God and it was not supposed to be that way. And David was like, oh, if we could get back to the wells of water that I grew up around. But it, we're in a different place today. We're in a different position today. And I wondered how many churches do remember a day in your lifetime where when you came to the house of God, it was as if heaven opened up and God poured His Spirit on you and you left fuller than you come. And how many of you have experienced seasons of drought, spiritually speaking? I may not be speaking to someone who feels like you're in a spiritual drought today, but undoubtedly someone is sitting at home, if for no other reason than because they went to most of the wells within their region, or they could not get to the wells that were full of water, so God showed them a place that they could get a fresh drink this morning. And I'm not making much of anything that we are, but only to know that and recognize that God is doing something special that none of us, including and especially myself, can take any credit for. You are, in fact, in a move of God. Oh, I know it looks rough sometimes. I know that David looks like he's cornered here on the battle, but the end is not yet. Amen. Now, you haven't read the rest of the story. And I know sometimes our numbers are down. And I know sometimes it seems like uh, more people are leaving than coming. But let me tell you something. Uh, when there's a move of God, sometimes you're going to have days where you feel cornered. There's sometimes you're going to have days where you feel like you're in a holding pattern where it seems like you're not regressing, but it seems like you're not progressing. You're just kind of stuck. And did you know that over 80% of churches today are likely either stuck at a plateau or in decline, spiritually speaking and numerically speaking today? This ought to resonate with many churches today. The fact uh, that God would send a servant to pastor a church uh, and that the church would go through these kinds of trials and tribulations as they try to advance the kingdom of God for the gospel of Christ and then discovering uh, that it seems like everywhere uh, God begins to work uh, down in their Bethlehems, if you will, the enemy starts setting up camp uh, to try to stop us from tapping into the the rich resource of the work of God that he begins to do in our midst. God is looking, if I might borrow this phrase, for a few good men. <laughs> God is looking for some mighty men of God. And I, I 
I want to apologize to the ladies if I'm being too gender specific. It is not meant to leave you out. It is not meant to offend you. It is simply meant to put emphasis on what the Bible is putting emphasis on and to remind this generation that we should not underestimate the sheer power of the influence of men who will stand up for God and get a backbone for the cause of Christ. This generation has weakened, they've demoralized, and they've feminized the male member of the human race. They have tried to switch roles and put the women where the men's supposed to be and put the men where the women's supposed to be and they don't realize it, but they're under a curse of the devil who has lied to them to try to reverse roles to weaken the nations of the earth so that men will not stand up and be courageous. And today I'm calling for the men of God uh, to stand up. Today I'm calling for the men of God uh, to get a backbone. Yes, you heard it straight. Amen. Uh, I'm calling for the men of God uh, to lose your fear, lose your anxiety, lose your worrying, uh, and start standing up and being courageous. Uh, Listen, to be courageous don't mean that you don't fear. It just means you stand in spite of the fear. Amen. Uh, God's calling some men uh, to stand up and be counted for in the kingdom of God. And shame on the churches that have to be ran by the women because the men will not stand up and own their rightful position as leaders, as spiritual leaders of the church and spiritual leaders of their home. I've come to preach a manly message, so if my tones are too stout, maybe it's because this culture has been tamed to not receive stout words for men who need to be able to receive hard sayings and adjust their lives accordingly instead of whining and complaining about it and running the preacher out of town on a rail because they have enough courage to speak the truth in the face of danger. Mighty men are those who serve with loyalty to their king at any risk. Why were they so loyal to King David? Well, I tell you why. Because King David was out there facing the giant when all of them was standing up on the hillside shaking in their boots and nobody would dare come up against Goliath. And because David stood up and said, you know what, is there not a cause Because David stood up and faced Goliath, that giant that no other man in the army, even the king himself, was willing to face. He defeated the armies of the enemy of the living God. And then all of a sudden, his fame spread throughout the kingdom. And they began to sing songs. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. All he killed was one giant. But God magnified his leadership in the eyes of them and all of a sudden they saw a leader in David they didn't see in their own king. And David was now ready to rally troops to have loyalty to the cause of the kingdom because he had loyalty to the cause of the kingdom. He was not asking the people to pay a price that he had not already paid publicly himself. It's called servanthood leadership. You pray for your pastor. I want to lead in servanthood. I don't want to ask you to do anything that I haven't already experienced myself. Some people think it's hard to sit up under my pastoral style because I'm so direct and so blunt and and sometimes I guess I can be offensive. 
But can I tell you something? I'm just being open. And I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you what God's done in my life. I'm not saying that I deserve any credit for this at all because God had to drag me through it. I didn't always have a willing heart and I didn't always have a good attitude about it. But I had to learn to serve in places where I did not agree with the manner or the style of the leadership that God put me under. But I had to learn to respect the position even when I didn't necessarily agree with the person. And because I learned the principle, touch not God's anointed and do my prophets no harm, God began to bless my walk with Him and my ministry because I was willing to serve even in excruciatingly painful and sacrificial circumstances. And I'm not asking you to do anything that God hasn't already forced my hand to do myself. But I'm telling you something as your pastor that we need to be willing to do what it takes uh, to claim our Mount Zion for the cause of Christ. Amen. And it's going to take more than me. And it's going to take more than you. It's going to take all of us rallying around the cause of Christ and making Jesus our central focus and making the Bible our central command. Amen. And if we'll rally around the truth of God's Word, all of our disagreements will be dissipated in the light of the Word of God. And we can learn to serve God together. And God can bless you to follow my leadership as I follow the leadership of the Word of God as directed by the Holy Spirit. Are we okay this morning? Say amen. So we need some mighty men who will serve with loyalty to the cause of Christ. I'm not asking you to be loyal to me. I'm asking you to be loyal to the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm asking you to be loyal to this book to whom I owe all of my allegiance. Amen. I've got some skin in the game and I expect you to have some too. Can I get an amen, church? Not only are mighty men those who serve with loyalty at any risk, but number two, I'd like to say this. Mighty men are men of action. Now let's look at some other verses in this chapter. If you'll notice in verse number eight, these be the names of the mighty men whom David had. And he begins to name them, starting with the first one, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. The same was Adeno the Eznite. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. Can I say this? He was a bad dude. Amen. Could you imagine slaying 800 men all by yourself? That's why he was categorically labeled as one of the mighty men. Amen. And you know what God's looking for in the church? That if 800 devils come up against you, you're going to remain loyal to your king and you're going to remain loyal to his servants as they follow his king and you will not bow down under pressure and you will not tuck tail and run but you'll stay in the fight and you'll rise up and you'll slay Bible says one will slay a thousand but two shall slay ten thousand and God is looking for some mighty men who are not only loyal but men who are men of action notice that he did what had to be done you might ask why did he kill 800 well it must have been how many enemies he had it must have been what the job required how many times do we fall short of what's needed How many times do we stop short 
of what it's required to actually build a church for the glory of God. And I don't even like to use that phrase because Christ is building the church. We're not building it. We're participating his, in his plan on how he's building his church. But how many times do we stop short of the cost that it actually takes to do the work of an evangelist and watch God build his church? So many people are only willing to go so far. Oh, I might could kill two or three, but 800 is too much. I just don't know how far I can go. You know what this mighty man did? He said, I don't care how many comes my way. I'm not going to stop, stop fighting until there's none left standing but me. Amen. And he was a man of action. He was not a man of mediocrity. He was not one of those other ones that took tail and run. Amen. And I want to make note of this, that this was an offensive position. He was not reactionary. Amen. He didn't wait till things happened and then stand up. He, uh, he took initiative uh, and he went out and did battle whenever there was an enemy that needed to be whooped. And God's looking for some mighty men who uh, have the spiritual discernment uh, through the Holy Spirit of God uh, that when God identifies a need in the church or, uh, or a place where the enemy's trying to creep in uh, and try to cause division, uh, that you'll be willing to be the one to stand up and nip it in the bud uh, and call it out for what it is and say, thus saith the Lord, amen, uh, and declare the word of God over that situation and snap it out before it spreads like wildfire. Amen. Men who will stand up in the face uh, of obstacles and adversity. Men who will stand up against uh, lies uh, and deceit. Men who will stand up against uh, gossip and bickering and backbiting and complaining. Uh, amen. And, and, and uh, mully grubbing, if you will. Men who will stand up and, and fight for the cause of Christ uh, and keep the main thing the main thing. You can change the atmosphere by being a man of action. Amen. Men today uh, want to sit on the sidelines uh, because they're heavily criticized when this society or when the church or when the spouse or when a kid or when somebody thinks uh, that they're not leading right or they're not doing right or they didn't do it right. Uh, but I want to thank God for those who are courageous enough to stand up even at the risk of doing it wrong. Uh, but they're willing to stand up and do something for God. Amen. We need some men of action. Inactivity never built a church. Inactivity never won a soul. Inactivity never went across the world on the mission field to preach the gospel to regions that never heard about the name of Jesus. It took mighty men of God who were men of action. Men of, uh, who are mighty or loyal, they're men of action. Uh, but watch now your Bible in verses number 9 and 10. After him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, and one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle and the men of Israel were gone away. Oh, when did he arise? Verse 10 says he arose. But what, what did it just say? And when all the other men of Israel were gone, this one rose. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. And you know, it's always funny. There's that crowd that don't want to put no skin in the game, but they always show up for the spoils after the battle's over. 
Boy, they're happy to take uh, what you worked hard for, what you prayed hard for, what you stood hard for. And, and the churches uh, today are happy uh, to take all the spiritual benefits uh, that their pastor sacrificed for, that their pastor prayed over, that their pastor endured hardness as a good soldier to be able to give to you. Uh, but when the church begins to receive more than they take, the church starts to die. Because the pastor was never meant to do, pay all the price. And I would have said this if I was not the pastor of this church. I'm trying to help us see a spiritual application here of what it looks like for a church to say, you know what, if, I don't care who leaves the battle scene. I'm staying and I'm fighting for Jesus. Amen. I'm staying and I'm fighting. Number three, mighty men are men of commitment. The Bible said that his hand was weary, but his hand clave unto the sword. And some of you have been slaying, and some of you have been slinging the Word of God. Some of you have been fighting for years, uh, and your hand's getting weak, uh, and times are getting tough, and the devil's whispering in one ear, uh, and the backbiter's whispering in the other, and you're also contemplating just laying down that sword. Uh, maybe not temporarily. That's never our intention. Maybe I just need a little rest. Uh, but the very second you lay that sword down is the second your enemy can take your head off. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You better hold on to that sword. Uh, you better cleave to that sword until God brings the great victory. Amen. Somebody needs to hold on to the sword of God's Word. The devil's been telling you that you might as well just slip back into the shadows and let somebody else step up to the front lines. But God's calling somebody to step up to the front lines and to do work for Jesus. Amen. Notice, because we, uh, verse 9, we notice that he fought alone. Amen. And most people don't want to fight alone. They like to have at least two or three others giving witness to him. Amen. Uh, we like to at least have one other person in the crowd agreeing with us uh, before we speak up. But sometimes uh, you need to say it if you're the only one saying it, if it represents the actual truth of the Word of God. Amen. And sometimes, uh, you know, uh, you'll see your pastor get up in the pulpit and I'll have to preach on something that ain't very popular, that don't go over very well. Uh, I'd just like to ask you to give me the courtesy of not let me be preaching up here all by myself. Amen. Uh, why don't you holler out a amen every once in a while, even if it's a oh me, don't let me stand up here all by myself. Amen. Oh, that's right. Uh, and listen, uh, when somebody comes up against uh, your leadership of your church, whether they're talking bad about a deacon or whether they're talking bad about the pastor or they're talking bad about a Sunday school teacher, you need to learn how to say, if this is not a legitimate concern uh, that can be brought before two or three eyewitnesses, then I don't need to have another syllable of conversation about this matter and stand up against it and be bold and daring and courageous uh, no matter who it is or how much money they have or how much influence they have or how good a friend they are. Stand for truth and don't let your leaders uh, stand all by themselves. Amen. That's right. Praise God. Amen. Mighty men are men of commitment. Notice he not only fought alone, but better than that, he finished despite his fatigue. Uh, mighty men are men of commitment who commit to the cause of Christ uh, all the way to the finish line. It didn't matter how tough it was. Uh, amen. He's toughed it out. Praise God. 
Uh, where are God's mighty men? Where are those loyal to the cause of Christ and the work that God has going? Where are men of action? Where are men of commitment? You say we have some. I, I know we have some. I'm not preaching to the ones that have already stood up. I'm preaching to the ones that still need to. Amen. I, and if the shoe fits, wear it. Let the Holy Spirit of God dial your number and call you back into battle. Look at verse 11 now. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite, and the Philistines were gathered together in a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. Thanks for listening today to Pastor Gary's message on True North. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an edition. If you've enjoyed today's message, please leave us a note in the comments and be sure to share these teachings with others. True North is a part of Gary Cottle Ministries, and you can learn more by visiting our website, garycottle.com. Is there something we could be praying for in your life right now? Let Pastor Gary know by sending an email to contact at garycoddle.com. That's contact at gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. Would you do something for us too? Would you pray for this ministry of True North? We want to make sure we're following God's plans for us at all times, with courage to step out in faith and humility to allow Him to work. Please pray that we'd stay tethered to the Lord always. Would you also pray for others who will be listening to this broadcast? Pray that God will open ears and hearts to His truth, and that many will come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. Thanks for partnering with us in this way. Our time with you is up for today, but thanks for joining us for this edition of True North.